going to uh, talk to you this morning again, just for maybe half an hour or so, uh, just around our vision as a church. Um, if you're visiting, we've been looking at our mission statement for the last month or so, and I started, our mission statement is a very simple one. It's simply this, rooted in Christ, planted in family, and fruitful in life. And so the first week I had a look uh, at what it means to be rooted in Jesus, how we understand the gospel. Last week I started looking at um, why being part of a local church is important, and I'd like to carry on um, talking that through with you this morning. And uh, we're going to try and answer the big questions of why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we gather? Why do we believe in community? Why do we believe on the, in, in these things, and what is the biblical basis for them? And so I said to you um, last week, there are seven, I, I can see seven biblical reasons for belonging as a member in a local church community. Uh, that's very important for us as, as individuals. And uh, I, I gave you the first one last week. I simply said it's part of authentic biblical conversion. So if you can go to the first slide, please, uh, Nick. Uh, it's part of authentic biblical conversion. And we, we had a look at that quite extensively last week, so I'm not going to say anything further about that, that this week. Please just get online and listen to the podcast if you'd like to refresh yourself in that. And I said... We are committed to the three C's of conversion, which I see in the Scripture. First of all, we're committed to converted to Christ. Secondly, to His church. And thirdly, to His call for us, the cause that the church has to go out into all the world to preach the gospel and see many saved. That, that's the three C's of conversion, really. And uh, our mission statement accurately reflects those three things, rooted in Christ, planted in family, and fruitful in life. And I said to you last week that if we are deficient in one of these areas, we're not really being biblical. And uh, it's impossible to love Christ with all of our hearts and not love the community of His church. And so please have a look um, on the podcast and catch up with what I said last week if you missed it. But the second thing I'd like to say is that we become members of lo a local church because ultimately at the end of the day, it shows our love for Jesus and His people. It's actually quite simple. It's an expression of, of our love for Christ and those that He's joined us to in community. And so joining a church family is really an outward reflection of an inward love that we have for Jesus and His people. And for those of you that have been married or, or, or are married, you know this, that great love cannot just be spontaneous. And spontaneous acts of love are refreshing, they are brilliant, they are absolutely vital for our lives. But you know, as a married, if you're married here this morning, that on an, over many, many years, great love is often expressed in a planned and a committed and a covenantal way. Are you with me? And the spontaneous acts bring life and color to those, that basic covenantal commitment. And it's the same in the church. We love Jesus because um, we, we love Jesus' church because of Jesus, and we give ourselves to the church of Jesus because Jesus gave us the example to give ourselves to the church of Jesus. This is what I mean. Ephesians 5, you know well, it says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. That's the example that we have. Jesus gave himself for others, and so too do we give ourselves for others that we are in covenant with, committed to. And so Acts 20, uh, verse 28, says that the church was so valuable that Jesus bought it with his blood. That's what it says. 
Um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, talking about those that are helping to facilitate in the church, to care for the church of God, which he obtained, which he bought with his own blood. I don't know if you reflect on that. It's a really powerful thought that what Jesus did on the cross was bought salvation for us. It bought eternal life, all those things, forgiveness of sins. But it was also him purchasing his bride and uh, establishing his bride here on the earth. And so what we are really are called to as church members, members of local ch churches, is really what all Christians are called to do. Uh, just like all Christians are called to be baptized, to break bread together, and to hear God's voice, to obey God's voice, that's what we are called to do as those that are members of local church communities. We are to get together regularly. There's the encouragement of Hebrews. Don't get out of the habit of meeting together uh, for fellowship and encouragement and prayer. And so we got called to love God. We're called to love each other and those outside of the church family so ultimately revival can come. We, 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 we called to show evidence of the fruit, Galatians 5. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul says, against those things there's no law. And I'm going to look at those in a more detailed way in the weeks that lie ahead. But that's the practical outworking of love is those things. And so, second reason, biblical reason, why membership of local church community is so vital is because it shows our love for Jesus and his, our love for his people in a very practical way. Thirdly, third reason uh, is simply this. It's a sign that we are becoming disciples. We are becoming disciples. Um, it's crucial to our understanding of, uh, of Christ's calling on our lives. Belonging to a church family is about, about becoming a disciple of Jesus. And maybe you're not a Christian here this morning, um, and if that's so, I want to just say this straight up. Don't even think about joining a church, a church be, be, becoming a member of a church. But I do want to encourage you that being part of a church community is the best way to understand what being a Christian is. Because you can only really join a, a church in a, in, in a basic sense is when you believe in Jesus. So if you're still in, on a journey in understanding who Jesus is, don't worry about becoming a member. But do belong in a church community so you can find out what Christians believe. It's the best way to find out what Christians believe and what it means to be a Christian. But if you are saved this morning, if you do love Jesus, then I want to ask you some very basic questions to consider. Um, is it really all about living the Christian life? Is our Christian life really just about our personal convictions, about our individual wit virtues, our individual witness, our individual spiritual disciplines, working out those things? Is it really just about our individual relationship with God, that we're faithful to our spouses, that we are honest, that we believe in certain things? Is, is that all it means to be a Christian? Well, I'm fully convinced that's not all that it means to be a Christian, that the Christian life includes much more than that. And much of the Christian life is centered on other people. By definition, I believe the Christian life is others-centered. It's not self-centered. And in that way, it's a radical challenge to live in our, uh, in our culture, which is so incredibly individualistic and me-centered around what suits me, because the church, by definition, is not centered around just me. It's centered around all of us, community, family, all of us together. And so we need to ask ourselves, if we believe that it is other-centered, well, who are the others? 
It's a good question to ask. If we are living for others, who are the others? And uh, I want to answer in this way. I believe the church is for everyone. <laughs> the church is for everyone. And it's, it's not a homogeneous group. It's not only one kind of people. It's not only one subgroup of people. It's not only one tribe of people. The church is for everyone. And I really mean that from the bottom of my, of my heart. We are committed in this community of believers to as much as we can give ourselves to becoming a multicultural, multi-generational group of friends who gather weekly to worship Jesus, to care for each other, to love each other, to be committing ourselves to be on a journey to, of becoming disciples of Jesus. We are committed to seeing our community, the city of St. Albans, this nation transformed, and that's a big dream. And that requires all sorts of different people, whatever our background, our culture, God has called us to be that representation to this community. And why do I believe that so passionately? Because that, is what the, that ultimately is what heaven is going to be one like, uh, like one day. It's going to be a, every nation and tribe and color redeemed cultures worshiping Jesus with all of our hearts, ruling with him in the new heaven and the new earth. That's what it, our future looks like. And so let's make space for everybody here on earth. Why? We pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if that's what heaven's going to be like, if it's going to be every tribe, culture redeemed uh, under the grace of the Lord Jesus, then surely let's work it out as best as we can here on earth. So I want to say to you, whatever your culture, whatever back, your background, you are most welcome here. You're most welcome. All right? Because why? We want to be a family representing every tribe and people group and nation. Whoever God joins here, we want to open our hearts to and love. Yeah? Tim Keller said this. I love Tim Keller. If you're never able to live, out, to live for more than your pocketbook, your stomach, and your career, then you will never be able to be a blessing to those around you. Isn't that true? That's what he's saying. If all you're living for is yourself, your career, your thing, your thing, your thing, your thing, you never live for anyone else, and ultimately you're called to live for others. All right? Third reason, belonging to a church family is uh, a sign that we are becoming disciples. Fourthly, belonging to a church family is uh, the primary way that we are called to to evangelize uh, the world. Uh, there are many, many that in our families, our communities are, are broken and hurting, and in this community of St. Albans, that's also true. And so there's no better way of preaching and speaking the good news than doing it together. There's something in a power that comes in unity as we commit ourselves to the same thing and do it together. There's no power in trying to do it by yourself. All right? And the local church is by definition, it's missional. And what I mean by that is that we're about Jesus' business. We're about His kingdom. And so it's missional in the sense that we are always wanting to embrace and look outward to those that do not yet know Him. And we're called to live out what we preach by taking care of the poor, by taking care of the needy. And uh, there are many initiatives already happening in St. Albans that I want to draw your attention to again. There's um, just City Church run um, a feed program. The Vineyard Church in St. Albans is also running a feed program. There's the CAP money course that uh, Cheryl is running. All these are initiatives to reach out to people that are needy, in need, and need something of the kingdom of God to touch their lives. I want to encourage you. 
If you're looking for something to be involved with here in St. Albans that is directly in helping the poor and needy, there's some things you can be involved with just like that. And we do that together. So together we can find something of God's kingdom come in this community. All right? And so as we live out the gospel, the gospel becomes visible. People can see what we mean, how we live, and how we demonstrate that. Even if we do that imperfectly, uh, we trust that something of Jesus is seen through our lives as we live for Him. Something of Jesus is demonstrated through our lives as we live for Him and the truth of His gospel. Fifthly, um, am I going too fast this morning? Is that okay? Yeah. Number five, it helps us to demonstrate the true gospel. Uh, as we live our lives, hopefully we are demonstrating what Christianity really is about. And we hopefully expose the idea, and I trust we do expose the idea, that Christians are really, this is what people sometimes think Christians are, that Christians are annoyingly self-righteous people who worry about uh, someone having fun somewhere else, and we don't like people to have fun, so we're all kind of around you know, morality and doing the right thing, and that we're more concerned about our personal goodness and our superior morality than anything else. That's how often people perceive religious Christians, all right? I want to put it to you, the best way that you can dismantle that, the best way that you can show that that's not true, is by demonstrating it in a loving, living community of believers that open their hearts to each other, that genuinely love each other, and simply demonstrate through their lives what it means to be a Christian. That's the best way to dispel it, isn't it? So it's all very well to speak about grace and forgiveness, but if we don't live it out in our community and we're withholding grace withholding affection, withholding forgiveness from each other. In reality, we are not demonstrating the true gospel. And our lives, our lives are out of alignment with the gospel. And they need to come back into alignment with the gospel. Is that not true? Um, one of the things I'm constantly challenged with is that we say, in this, uh, as we do our new members course, we want this church to be a family. We want people to feel welcome. <laughs> What's the test? The test is not what I say. The test is, do people feel welcome? <laughs> do they feel at home? Uh, when they walk in, does someone say hello? Does someone offer them a cup of coffee? Is that me running around doing it all the time? No, it's every single one of us embracing that and saying, yep, that's what it means to live out the gospel. I have been welcomed. I'm going to welcome someone else. Do you get what I'm saying? That's how we know it's real is if it's happening. It's all very well to have your vision and your values on a piece of paper, but living it out is the thing that's so crucial. Isn't that true? And so that's what I'm trying to encourage you with. We demonstrate the true gospel by as best as we can, and I'm saying we do it imperfectly, as best as we can, living out the gospel in a gracious, compassionate, kind way, forgiving others as we've been forgiven, welcoming others as we've been welcomed. Why? Because then we learn we are learning to demonstrate the true gospel to others. And that's what, something of what membership involves. Uh, we celebrated this morning at the foot of the cross. All that we have, we bring to the, to the cross. We ask for forgiveness at the cross. And we are recognized that the only thing that really saves us is what Jesus has done. And it's not our effort. It's not our, our um, good works. It's nothing to do with that. It's all to do with Him. Sixthly, and um, I've only got seven points, so there's one more after this. 
It helps us build up other believers becoming a member. It helps us build up other people. I've spoken much in this church about the cancer of individualism, which I think is rampant in our, in our society, and it's a huge problem. And how we, do, how we help to counter wrong individualism is by becoming a member of a family where we can, we can, we can counter that wrong individualism. It helps us to live for other people. It helps us to understand other people that are different from us. It helps us to understand that the nature of Christianity really is community. And we are called to help make disciples of others that have been saved. We are called to that. It's part of becoming a member of a local church. At my Oxford course this week, we were just talking about theology and how people understand the gospel through cultural lenses. Right? And we all have a culture that we've grown up in. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means sometimes we see things from our perspective. So I think one of the things that is quite negative about our Western culture, for those of us that have grown up in Europe, our Western culture is quite intellectual. It's very individualistic. It's really centered around me, my personal salvation. And that's, there can be, we need to understand our personal salvation. And, and most of the great theologians have all been Westerners. So they've all, a lot of them have been German, right? Germans are great thinkers. Everything needs to be in order. But often it's centered around the individual. I realized this week as I was thinking about these things that because I was born in, and grew up in Africa, something of my theology is shaped more by an African culture than it is by a Western culture. In Africa, community is very important. The whole is very important. The family is very important. We see family in our Western culture as a nuclear thing. Husband, wife, children, nuclear. And we have these little bubbles of our families. And sometimes the bubbles interact with each other. Is that true? You get what I'm saying? In African culture, your cousins are called brothers and sisters. African culture is much more linear. You understand what I'm trying to say? So everybody in the family, whether you're a cousin or you're uncle or aunt, you're all brothers and sisters. There's a much more of a communal way of seeing family, which I think is a very cool thing. It's a very wonderful thing. I was speaking to Darwin the other day. Last week, in fact, he's not here today. He's Ghanaian, right? And he's got this very, very long name. Ask David one day about his name. It is incredibly long. Why is it so long? Because every break portion of his name communicates something about him of how he fits into the family of his, his, his whole family. From his name, you can tell who his father was, that he's the oldest son and where he fits in, in terms of his tribe, just from his name. So if you knew Ghanaian language, you would know exactly where he comes from, that he's the oldest son, who his father was, where they lived. All from his name. Why? Because it's communal. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I'm saying for me, church family is communal. The gospel is about all of us, for God so loved the world that he gave himself and gave his son. And so I'm trying to encourage you. We need to recognize 
our culture, where we come from, the good things about our culture, but realize that we see the gospel through a cultural lens. And so I want to encourage all of us that grew up in the West that perhaps our nuclear little family, it's very, very important. It is. I'm not minimizing that. But our nuclear family is part of a bigger family. And when my family is going through a hard time, the whole church is going through a hard time. That's what Paul says. That's what the Scripture says. When you rejoice with those that are rejoicing, you weep with those that are weeping, you link hands together, there's power in community. Am I over-laboring the point this morning? I want to encourage you, this is a family. This is a community of believers. We do care about you. We want you to care about each other. Why? Because that's ultimately the example that Jesus has given us. Whatever your background, whatever your tribe, whatever your culture. And so I want to put it to you that um, we belong to church family so we can be helped with our problems. Uh, sorry, um, I'm, I've, uh, I've skipped. Just if you can catch up with where I am. Uh, um, all of us have problems. All of us have things that need to be fixed. Some have problems with anger. Some have problems with guilt or gossip or alcohol or other addictions. And really, we open our hearts, we open ourselves as brothers and sisters in the church family so that we can help each other to work through the problems that we have. You know, we're all broken in some way, but Jesus is fixing us up. And that, for me, is the joy of community. And I said to you, I want to say it again the third time, when someone opens your heart to you and, and, and says, I've got this problem, be kind. Be gentle. Why? Because it takes incredible courage to open your heart to someone and say, I've got a problem. Will you help me? Yes? So let's, let's, let's link arms with each other in a loving way that helps people to deal with their problems. And so I've said, let me say it again, even though we don't do it perfectly, let, let's make it our goal to, to build each other up and in doing so, encouraging the church and seeing the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so I've, I've said to you this kind of thing of personal growth, it's just not a completely individual matter. We are responsible for our relationship with God, certainly, but it's also a, a communal thing that we grow personally as we are part of a community that loves and cares for us. And so I put a scripture up, Hebrews 10. Um, yeah, there we go. This is called, uh, often called the lettuce, the lettuce patch because it's got so many things that say, let us, let us, let us. So this is uh, the, 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 the writer to the Hebrews encouraging the church, and he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, so notice he starts and focusing with all that Jesus has done. Notice that? He's saying this is what Jesus has done for us. And then in the... In response to what Jesus has done for us, what do we do? Well, here comes the things that we do. This is what Jesus has done. Then he says, let us draw near. That's what we do. Jesus has done all this. This is what we do. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water in the presence of God. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Why? Because the blood of Christ has washed our hearts. We are free from all that stuff, so we can draw near with confidence, not feeling guilty, knowing that we are sons, knowing that we are daughters. And he sprinkled our hearts with his blood, and he carries on. Let us hold fast. There's the other thing we have to do. We have to draw near. We have to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. 
That's beautiful, isn't it? How do we know that we, we um, believe what we say we believe? Well, we don't give up. We hold on to the hope that we have in Christ without wavering, for He who has promised is faithful. In other words, Jesus is faithful even when you waver. He doesn't unwaver. Yeah? He's faithful. So hold fast. And he says, uh, and let us, the fourth thing, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Isn't that beautiful? Not neglecting meeting together. Part of our responsibility is we come with sprinkled hearts. We know that we're sons. We, we don't waver from the hope that Jesus has called to us, uh, 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 called us to. And then part of our, our joy that we have is in, to encourage one another and to spur one another on and to say, you can do it. <laughs> spur each other on in love and good works, the things that we're called to do, not neglecting to meet together. I've said that already, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can I encourage us all? Let's give ourselves to those things. Drawing near, encouraging one another, not giving up in hope. These are things that we're called to do as believers, as we learn to recognize more and more of what Jesus has done in our hearts. All right? And so it's our joyful responsibility to to link hands like that and to give ourselves to those things. So I want to ask you to consider these things. Uh, can, we, can the church depend on you? Can Forest Town depend on you to love, to pray, to serve, to preserve unity in this family? To give your prayer, to give your worship, to give in every area of your life. Why do I say that? Because there's a godly sense of ownership that comes when you say yes. There's a godly sense of ownership. The language changes from you and the church to me and our community. And that's, that's very important because it shows an ownership. It, uh, then you begin to own the work of the church, what the church is doing. Own the community of the church, every believer. You're thinking about people. You're praying for them. You own the budget. You own the vision. You own, own the goals. You say, it's not just the church, them doing their thing. It's me and us doing our thing together. We, we move from being a consumer, I want to get what I can this Sunday, to someone is invested Someone's giving. Someone's, yes, this is my community. This is my life. This is my future. Are you with me? And that transaction can only happen in your heart. I can't force you to do that. No one can do that. But I trust that the Holy Spirit will enable you to do that. Why? We don't want to just constantly be loosely affiliated. We want to become members so that we become joyfully responsible and fully involved for the sake of of the gospel. And uh, I, I saw this when I was preparing, which I haven't really seen before. I don't know if I put it on my notes, but you know, even when Paul is speaking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, he says the main goal of spiritual gifts is to build up the local church. The main goal of prophecy, prayer, worship, discerning of sp- all the spiritual gifts. The main goal of that is not f- you and me for our individual mis- ministry. It's to build up the local church. It's to make God's people strong. And so I want to ask you to consider these things and make, ask yourself some brave questions. Do you love the people of God in this family? Do we all feel positive, to, positive towards each other? Are we actually giving of ourselves in terms of relationship and, and um, friendship? Do we love practically with our hands, our words, our prayer, our money? Do we help others when they're feeling weak? Because that's part of owning, is to give 
when someone else is feeling weak. And so I love um, study. I love worship. I love praying. I love all these things which are vital. They're all vital things in church life. But there's something more than that that moves from me to us, that we encourage one another daily, share each other's burdens. And that's, I believe, that's what John meant when he wrote in 1 John 3, 18, Dear children, let us love not just with words or tongue, but with action and with truth. There's a living out of what we say we believe. Okay? Lastly, and then we're going to enjoy some coffee together. Ultimately, it glorifies God. I said to you last week, what brings God most glory are our relationships, how we work things out with each other that ultimately brings glory to God. And finally, local church membership is so vital and important because it ultimately it glorifies God. The way that we live does matter, and it brings glory to Him. And so that's what Peter says in 1 Peter 2 verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they might see your good deeds and say, you are wonderful people. No, they see your good deeds and say, all glory goes to God. That's what our good, good deeds always should do, is point people to Jesus, bring glory to Him. Amen? And so that's what uh, is encouraged with there. And, the, and Jesus said the same thing in the, pre, in the preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they might see your good works and give glory to God. Give glory to God, your Father who is in heaven. Not saying you are wonderful people. <laughs> no, God is good. That's why we do anything, is to bring glory to Jesus. And so it does matter how we live. And I've tried to point you in a very simple way to those scriptures that show that everything is ultimately about bringing glory to God. And it applies to us individually. It applies to us uh, uh, together as Christians. And uh, remember, lastly, the simple words of Jesus. In John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By all this, people will know, sorry, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not that the church is very big, not that the church is very cool, the church is very funky, the church serves the big, best coffee, all that stuff. No. They will know you love me because you love each other. Amen? And so, I'm so committed to the church because Jesus said it was what, what, what he was, is building. I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. And he's passionate about that. And so, I'm trusting that you would also become passionate about his bride and committed to it. Whatever your level of passion, that will go to another level. Whatever your desire to see it flourish, it will go to another level. I'm saying that for all of us, that we'll be totally, totally um, joyful, thankful about the bride of Christ, the community of believers that we can be involved in. And uh, I want to just say this straight up front. You know, I have been frustrated with the church in, 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 my, in my years. I've been serving in churches since I was in my 20s. I'm now 52. That's a long time, 25 years. So there's always something to see as wrong. There's always something to see that needs improving. Always. But let that spur each other. Uh, let, let that spur us all on to seeking God with all of our hearts so we can help to 
be the solution of what we see needs to change and what needs to improve and what God wants to still do in His bride. And His bride is becoming more and more glorious. And that's the wonderful encouragement. He hasn't given up on His bride. And so I want to encourage you. Join your heart to join your hands. Open your heart to the right people. Build and bless the community of believers. And I honestly want to just finish by saying, I'm not just concerned about this church. I am thrilled to hear other churches are doing well. It thrills me. Why? Because then the kingdom is coming, and we need all sorts of different churches. So Vineyard is doing well. St. Paul's is doing well. City Church is doing well. Home Church is doing well. We rejoice. Why? Because then the kingdom is coming. It's getting stronger. It's getting more diverse. It's drawing in more people. And that's what we want to see, that every tribe, every nation, every, every people on earth might know Him as the King of glory. Amen? So I would encourage you, think about these things and to think about how you can, this year, just give yourself a little bit more deeply to something that God is calling to you, calling you to, not only here in the community, but as you live out your life, at your work, whatever you do. And remember, at the end of the day, we don't join a church for our function that we perform. We are adopted into a family. And we, uh, gifts are wonderful things, and we celebrate gifts. But at the end of the day, we join church family because we are adopted into the family of sons and daughters in a given geography that God is joining our hearts to. Amen? God bless you. I'm going to pray five minutes longer than I wanted, but then we're going to have some coffee together, right? Let's pray. Jesus, we joyfully thank you for all that you've done this morning. We want to thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship where you touched our hearts. Thank you for reminding ourselves of your cross right at the very center of our lives. And this morning, I want to thank you, Lord, for every single believer, every single person that's part of this community. Lord, I pray that you truly would help us to increasingly become more and more of a family, a community that loves each other. Lord, that we would be brave to uh, engage with other people, that we would be kind as we engage with others, that we would learn what it means to have words that are seasoned with grace, that we might be those that live out all the things that you have so lavishly given us, forgiveness, a second chance, all those things that we so enjoy, are so grateful for. Help us to live those out as we simply respond to each other. Build this church, Lord. Build every church in this uh, community that preaches the gospel, that loves you, that we might see your kingdom come in this community and over all of this nation, that truly, Lord, we would see a revival in our day where your kingdom comes in the most glorious way across the, U the United Kingdom. And so we thank you for these things. Uh, we, we rejoice in all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.